Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale our business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a special one. Her name is Raja, the investor and founder of the Visionary Company and VC. Raja, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. We have been trying to, to do this one for a long time, but we are entrepreneurs, we are persistent, and we were able to, uh, I'm sure, serve the community with this amazing uh, episode. You have an amazing story and an amazing career and experience. Uh, so I'm, I'm very pleased to have you on the show. Uh, Raja, feel free to, to share a bit more about your story and your background uh, to start. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited to, to be here and, and share everything I know. And we can start with a, a bit about myself. Exactly. I'm, I'm a founder. I will always be a founder. And I'm also an investor. And I think I will always be an investor. <laughs> and I'm an advisor. I will always be an advisor. So I've been having this tree, wearing these three hats for the last right. you know, five, 10 years, even if I actually started a, uh, going into entrepreneurship way back in my early 20s. So almost 20 years ago now, but of course, you know, the first ventures were just like trials and failures and right. testing and trying <laughs> and failing again. I recognize that. <laughs> and this is how we start. And actually, I wish I started even earlier. I feel I started quite late at 22, 23. Uh, I was always in, interested in entrepreneurship because I could see problems around me and wondering how can we solve this, you know? Uh, right. And, but luckily at some point, I just decided to go full in and make it happen before that. So I started in private banking in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in Switzerland. I'm born in Morocco, grew up in Switzerland. And uh, I worked like many people in Switzerland. They go to banking because you even have, you either have uh, access to the banking industry, insurances, right. watches, or chocolate. These are your four options. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I went for banking. Everybody was, my friends were going for banking. Okay. Let's, let's become a banker. But I was not really interested or passionate. Um, yeah, it was not just for me at that time. Maybe I'll go back yeah. to that in the future. But at that time, I was too energetic and hyperactive. I'm a little bit hyperactive. And I wanted to, to see what's my potential. What can I create? How can I impact the world? I was, nice. and I'm still a visionary person. I believe that my company is called the Visionary Company NBC. However, Absolutely. I think in the beginning, which is also important for founders, we're big dreamers. I was more of a visionary um, than an executor, maybe. I had to go through that process to understand it's not just about the right. vision. You have to get things done. Right. Uh, and so while being in private banking, I was trying to get things done and learning as much as possible on the side. Mm -hmm. And I was even quitting my jobs, highly paid jobs, safe and so on and trying a startup. And of course, four months later, nothing is happening. I right. go back to banking and I do it again. <laughs> I, quit and I go back. But uh, so at some point well, we, we had another opportunity where I could get out of that space. Uh, I mean, the, in Geneva, that banking sector, I mm -hmm. really wanted to, to break free basically. Right. Uh, and we moved to Norway. We had, my husband had an opportunity in Norway. He's Norwegian. We moved to Norway and this is when I really started my career as an entrepreneur, investor, advisor. I started by long story short, because I, I shared uh, this story a lot on LinkedIn and uh, on other podcasts, so we'll not cover mm -hmm. this again here. Uh, but long story short, I wanted to understand the ecosystem. I started to host events. Uh, mm -hmm. 
just connecting with other founders to understand what's, what it is about, actually. I tried myself, but I have no business knowledge, really, you know, can't count the five startups I tried and it doesn't, doesn't call me an entrepreneur yet. Uh, I don't know really how to grow a business. I don't have a network. I don't speak the language. I need to connect with people. I need to, to learn from other founders and see who's out there. What are the businesses out there? Maybe I could join a business. Maybe, let's see. That's how I started. I built over less than a year a community of over 1,000 founder, right. founders. Wow. That was in 2015, 2016. Uh, gave me, exposed me to the challenges that founders face. Uh, lack of knowledge, lack of network, lack of capital, uh, the mindset uh, that is, you have to have a certain kind of mindset to be a founder. Right. And that period helped me, was basically my market research period, connecting with all these founders, organizing events, offering my help, trying really to serve them and find solutions to their problems was the foundation of everything I, uh, I've been doing. That helped me. Um, you know, uh, have the opportunity to launch the Hub.io, which is the biggest job platform for startups to recruit in the Nordics, where the, uh, the, the, the Hub is now pro processing over 1 million job applications per year. Wow. Uh, my other opportunities also came from everything I've been doing that first year in Norway, not making any money, just like learning from others and doing my marketing. Super inspiring. <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 it came almost out of necessity, right? You needed to move and uh, yeah. it was the opportunity that you needed and that you have been trying for years to, to really start a community and get even yeah. deeper. Into... Everything came out of necessity. I wanted to break free from the golden handcuffs we have in Geneva, in Switzerland, where right. you become a banker, you're highly paid, it comes with the prestige and the lifestyle, but many are not satisfied with their life <laughs> and they can't break free exactly no offense to all my private banking uh, uh friends we, we all understand the fear <laughs> you, but it's very difficult to leave a safe job many are dreaming right. about starting their own business but it's hard when you have commitments family commitments uh, you know a mortgage and so on it's hard to to break free so yeah. i had to move to a new country to break free basically and when I moved to that this new country, I realized I, I another necessity. I, I don't know anybody. I don't have a network. I need a network. I have a, don't have knowledge. I mean, I mean, I can't spend time reading all these books. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna learn entrepreneurship in books. I'm gonna learn it from others and from executing. So I went for that. The fast speed, the fast track, was getting to people, getting people more experienced than me to share with me how they've done it. And the way I've done that is by offering my help and working with them, sometimes yeah. buying their services just to, you know, my brain was a sponge, getting as much knowledge as possible and building my network. Yeah. And, and your content is, is quite amazing nowadays. That's the way I, I found you. And uh, I also love the, the Nordics, the ones who have been following me uh, know a bit why. Yeah. I've also been speaking at conferences uh, in, in Norway, 2000 and. 14 and 2015 huh? so first in oslo and then in bergen and mm -hmm. uh, the norwegian international entrepreneur conference hosted by christian uh Harten. so and yeah nowadays working more in in copenhagen and uh, and stockholm but uh yeah it's always great to to <laughs> 
to be connected with with the Nordics and to see all the potential and uh, all the amazing scale-ups and, and startups that uh, come from the Nordics to to the world. And yeah, we have some good people. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> a good uh, environment the, that allows the culture it's, to start, yeah, and have a safe uh, space to, to start a business. And what I really like is the, the combination I always talk about is on the show of kindness and at the same time being direct and, uh, and kindness. Not yeah, direct yeah. and humble. People are yeah. humble. Here. Exactly. Yeah, which is a, a very rare uh, combination, right? <laughs> to be straightforward and at the same time still be candid and still be humble and, and curious <laughs> uh, about learning more. Cool. And um, and since then, you have advised thousands of uh, of startups, typically on what stages, uh, Raja? So I... I would say now I'm shifting. Now we're moving towards much later stage companies. Right. Um, not so later stage because we, we work with companies who uh, who have paying customers and it can be a monthly recurring revenue of uh, from 5,000 euros, 10,000 euros, some yep. more. Because we, we act now as advisors and consultants. So yep. we cannot work with companies that don't have clients yet. We come in and we accelerate their growth we structure the process, we structure the company, uh, we connect them to our network of, um, of board members and investors. So they need to, to be able to invest in that as well. Right. And when we have worked with them and ev evaluated them, assessed them and seen that actually this has potential, we also invest. We invest. Got so uh, that's our model. But before doing that, I used to, I've been working a lot with early, super early stage founders, MVP stage, idea stage. Mm -hmm. And also aspiring entrepreneurs. That has been my, right. uh, you know, the, the, yeah, with the hub and with the accelerator programs I launched, uh, we were targeting early founders and helping them fundraise from uh, investors. Got it. So you would say typically from pre-seeds to series A or more from was, seeds? To, yeah. yeah. So I've been, my, I love entrepreneurship and helping people start a business. Right. So I will always help via my content, my newsletter, I would always right. serve early stage founders and people who want to start. Yep. So I, I help, you know, uh, pre-seed, seed stage companies via yep. in different ways. They can book a session with me. Uh, however, our programs are now for later stage. Right. Post seed and pre-series A companies, we help them reach uh, the series A stage. Right. Would you like to, to talk a little bit more about the kind of programs that you have for people to, to be aware? Basically, we have a six-month program where um, we meet the founders. We have a blueprint. Um, we, we go through a due diligence first, an assessment of their situation, mm -hmm. uh, the market, uh, the, the customer segment, pricing model, business model. We, we go through everything right. that is on the business model canvas. And then we optimize it. In short, we, we have the foundation. We look at what they're doing today. Where do, where do they want to get uh, yeah. in five years? What's the goal? Is it an exit? Okay, so we need to start planning for the exit today. You need to start talking to competitors. You need to start having in place the, right. the, the kind of company that a buyer would, uh, would look at within your mm -hmm. sector. And what does it require? What does it mean? What should you have in place? And what kind of competitors can acquire you. So, so we go through uh, this, um, this uh, process uh, right. to help you reach your goal, whether it's fundraising or getting into your first million or exiting your company. 
right? But it's kind of an accelerator program or a, in a one-on-one -on -one basis in a yeah, we do a combination. Yeah. We do one-on-one -on -one and in groups. So from September, we will have a group of five to 10 companies going through a program. For now, we've been doing a combination of a group and a group coaching, group advisory, and one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to try to focus only on, uh, on uh, groups uh, moving forward from September. Got it. I like the combination of really helping those companies to get prepared and helping them yes. with advisory and then investing uh, in in some yeah. of them. so it happens a little bit uh, organically yeah. i we 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 do a lot of investments so we invest you know uh, almost for now it's been like every month or every two months we invest in a company and then we realize we've done our due diligence but we don't really know these people how they execute are they coachable it's very hard to do your due diligence when you don't work with the founders. The founders right. Recently, I've worked with a founder. I helped her. Uh, we helped them close their round, optimize their round, negotiate, be super available. Whenever they have a question, we have them optimize their processes, the team structure, the KPIs, mm -hmm. increase their sales over five months. And then after five months, she was closing her round. It was like, actually, you know, <laughs> I very well, and you have executed on every advice, and now you're closing your round, and you and you're increasing your sales. I don't want to miss on this opportunity, so right. you're gonna invest. That was not the plan originally. Originally, the plan was to coach them and help right. them achieve their goals, fundraising and increasing the sales, their sales, right. and having the foundation to scale because they're on their way to scale. Absolutely. Uh, and after doing this, we realized, okay, actually, this is the way to go. We want to invest in the founders we advise because we, we know them and this is the best due diligence because we have helped them prepare for other investors. Absolutely. We have helped prepare the data room. We have helped prepare the pitch deck, the presentation, everything. So what we want, we should not miss on the opportunity. Um, of the investment. Exactly. I really like the combination, especially because we know that in this segment, consulting is not a very big business. And yeah. uh, and having the opportunity to invest on those companies and to be part of their upside, that's great. So exactly. we help them with the consulting part so they are able to to succeed. But exactly. then we also share the the upside uh, and uh, and hopefully it also shows that we we did a good job before and and after uh, supporting them. And and to be part of the program is that is there uh, of course uh, criteria of of selection of of those companies? Do they need to pay any fee or is is it yes. on percentage of equity? There is a fee. There is a fee because uh, I mean the, the advisors I bring on board who provide their knowledge and coach are experienced entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs with successful exits, uh, who are now board members, who are investors, who are working in, within private equity. One of them has helped within his career raise close to 1 billion euros. I mean, these, these guys, uh, they value their time. So to access them, people have to pay. Uh, and uh, the, fee, the fee is still very affordable for post-revenue companies. It's 20,000 euros for six months of advisory and accessing a network of Super board nice. members, investors, plus uh, being coached by professional board members and myself. Right. And yeah. and in terms of the geography, is this in person or across the Nordics uh, via remote, combination of remote yeah. and in person? Yeah. We've been helped. No, we don't do in person. Okay. <laughs> we, All remote. My, yes, my board members are based in uh, the Netherlands. 
uh, some in, uh, in Sweden, and our network is at a European level. Okay. So um, also in the cohort side or exactly yes okay. we we work with companies in Stockholm UK Spain Israel okay it's that, a European yes. uh, scope exactly. well, Middle East and European yeah Israel exactly. okay yeah. Middle East exactly well then that's that's really great so we have seen thousands of companies since 2015 what would you say are the always the main pain points you were saying that it was great to also do your market research and understand what are the needs of of that audience um what would you say are the main issues that founders struggle with um from let's say from seed to series a that's the yeah. area that we are focusing on i would say um okay from seed to series a um, so that's a different, if we were talking about early stage, I would say like early stage, they don't, right. they don't often understand the importance of having cash. And then when they think about, no, no, I know the importance of having cash. I need to get money from investors. Then they don't understand what investors are looking for. Right. So I, when I, when I talk a lot about investor psychology, understand mm -hmm. investors, investors are not charity. Yeah. Investors are going to assess you from a non-emotional perspective, they're gonna look at what gives you credibility? What is helping them trust you? So it's gonna be data, it's gonna be numbers, it's gonna be clients, it's gonna be whatever can be quantified while also having that um, gut feeling about you. Mm -hmm. So I would advise early stage founders to build relationship with investors and understand what they're looking for. And I will tell you what they're looking for. They're looking for companies that don't need them. Mm -hmm. Right. So make money, get clients. Show that if you can't get clients because you're in the B2C space or uh, it, it's taking, uh, you know, in the B2B, it's easier to some, it's easier to, there are methodologies, of course, if people hear me, like it's not easier, but there are ways to get that. <laughs> to get, uh, <laughs> right. At a very early stage, get clients to, uh, invest in a co uh, in a pilot project together and do and pay upfront for some of the work you will deliver. Yep. So in the B2C, you can show that there is a wait list of users, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. So collect as much um, uh, credibility. Yeah. Uh, show investors that there is a market waiting for you, and we're not talking about. There is a market because I read a report from McKinsey. We don't care about that. Right. We want to know as investors that you have talked to all these people in your wait list, that they are waiting for the product you have, that you have right. co-created that with them. What kind of feedback did you collect to build this solution? Okay, so yeah. this is how, this is for early stage, an advice for early stage. Um, get traction, make sure you've validated the problem, the solution, and show that to investors. For later stage, the challenges that founders have, it's going to be that basically they have managed to, because they've been part of an accelerator, or mm -hmm. uh, they have managed to get their first customers, get the MVP, mm -hmm. and now what? Okay. Right. <laughs> and now <laughs> what do we do? Where... Okay, we're making, like I have the example of a company right now we're working with. Um, they have started with uh, large customers. We're talking about Google, EY, they're selling them their mm -hmm. service. They saved some money before starting their project. So they had that money to build the tech. 
great that there was a product market fit actually because it was a bit yeah. uh, random uh, that they had this idea they went for the tech they had the money they would build the tech which i usually don't advise to do now i don't advise to just go for the tech and then figure out who wants it but they mm -hmm. they've been around for some time they had they built the tech they invested in their company and they had a good network of clients so they had access to that to google mm -hmm. to ey to to large companies um who were willing, interested in buying their services. Now the challenge they have, the reason why we, we work with them to help them scale. They mm -hmm. have five big clients. They have a company to manage. They're still small. They're three people. Right. Right. So how can they reach the next level? What can they optimize within their company? What are, so we're looking at really details here. How are they spending their time? Where are yeah. they allocating their time? What kind of activities are they doing? They don't have KPIs. What kind of KPIs can we set up for them? Mm -hmm. What are the relevant metrics to track? And their right. goal is an exit. So how can we get to an exit? Right. The challenges uh, are different for scale-ups. It's about scaling, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, it goes, it goes down to clients, how to get more clients, yeah. and how to prepare for the next fundraising. Right. Makes money, money, money. How to make <laughs> So and, and in, in order to fundraise, you need to have that revenue growth and those new clients. And the KPIs, and the, KPIs. And the metrics, and the processes. Yeah. And, and you the narrative, have to right? a way to scale, because venture capitalists want companies that are on their way to scale. Right. They want companies that are making money so they can mm -hmm. inject some cash to help create that uh, uh, exponential growth. But the company needs to have the processes in place to be able to deliver on the exponential growth. Right. So you help those companies to get ready for fundraising uh, through those six-month programs. And, and in terms of the best practices or the common mistakes, uh, the way you, you, you'd love to, or you'd like to handle that, what would you highlight as, as, the, as the main best practices or and main mistakes or uh, as you wish in terms of the approach you prefer? So um, I will try to keep it short because otherwise it's gonna be six months of conversation <laughs> together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, one advice is to figure out what, and actually I'm going to write, this is so important that uh, today I'm going to uh, uh, send a newsletter on this. Um, it's about KPIs and metrics. Thinking these companies that are on their way, to, they are preparing to scale, need to figure out what kind of metrics are making sense for them. Mm -hmm. What kind of metrics will help them track and prog track their progress, but also ensure their progress right. and set KPIs. So when we, I give a concrete example. When we launched the hub in Norway, the job platform in 2016, before launch, we had KPIs for the next two years. Hmm. And I remember looking at these KPIs and I was like, I was not happy. Because <laughs> 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 I was like, this is we can't achieve that, okay? This is, and it was connected, if, if, I, if we were going to achieve the, these KPIs, we were going to get a bonus. That was the little carrot, you know. But right. in, the end, uh, in the end, it became such a game. It became a game. 
yeah. as a team, we were in the Nordic. So I had a, I was based in Norway. Uh, others were based in Denmark, in Denmark, uh, Sweden, Finland, Northern Ireland. We were collaborating and competing with each other, but in a very collaborative way. Right. You know, we're in the Nordics. There's no truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're not competing, really. We are teams competing to lift each other up. Yeah. We were sharing strategies, say like, what worked for you last week? I mean, I'm not hitting my KPI next week, you know, if I'm going this, like, no, no, so don't, okay, we tried this strategy. You should do that strategy. Try it and you will see. Do yeah. this the kind of campaign. Uh, we have these Facebook groups. Uh, we have to send a newsletter. I found a database of startups we can reach out to because this was a job of portal for startups. We were yeah. sharing these strategies and we had these KPIs that we were looking at every week. Am I going to reach my KPIs? Am I going to reach my KPIs? Because on, on Tuesdays, we were meeting for one hour, all the Nordic managers presenting mm -hmm. our KPIs, what worked and what didn't work. Wow. So, and we had these KPIs before launch and we did not change them. They were very, uh, they were very uh, ambitious. Uh, but I'm surprised that we we really managed. I'm not surprised. I'm I looking. You know, <laughs> we managed, uh, yeah. and I think because we had KPIs and it just became numbers. We're like, okay, so next week I need to uh, I need to add 200 new startup profiles. I need to bring within one week 200 new companies listed with jobs. How do we do that? We can do it. Yeah. It became a game. We had uh, it really. Uh, so KPIs. Uh, workflow optimization after six months, I started to see that I'm doing the same tasks. And these are the tasks that because we optimize together, you know, what kind of strategies. And every day I knew what I was doing. So from nine to 10, now on top of my mind, from nine mm -hmm. to 10, I was reading my email. But at 10, I was done. I need to move to the next activity. But from nine to 10, I only do my emails. If I yeah. finish that it means I can move on to the next step, you know, the next right. activity. From 10 to 10 30, I'm gonna do Google Analytics. Hey, I have KPIs and to track my progress. Right. From 10 30 to 11 30, I will be doing social media, reposting, resharing, and uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. Then I have a little break, then I start again. So we uh, I optimize my workflow. Uh, and we share that also at the Nordic level. Mm -hmm. So we had this blueprint of the high impact activities, everybody that we were proven because we've been doing them for some time, that right. everybody could follow to hit their targets yeah. every week, every month and every year. Yeah, it, it, might, it might sound simple, but I, I agree with you that this is super important. We know that clarity of vision is critical to be able to execute. And uh, and also we need to visualize and we need to be clear what we want to achieve. If there is no clarity about what yeah. is the vision and what are the metrics, what are we tracking, what we are trying to achieve. And of course, they can be very scary, as you say, uh, and especially yeah. if you are starting a startup, it's a high risk environment and you are being bold. So uh, yeah. the odds of not achieving that are much higher than the odds of achieving it. So that's why the, 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 the clarity, the being concrete and, and at the same time the belief the mindset uh, yeah. that you were talking about is is so important right it's good to push ourselves a bit uh so first uh, uh first month i had we had as a kpi to get 50 companies on our platform 
And I was wondering how am I going to do it? But here, because 50 was like for me big, how many companies? Right. We actually managed, you know, 50 in one month. That was doable. We just reach out to people. We do the unscalable thing. So during, right. during that time, maybe people, uh, we, we may think that when you're scaling, because we were scaling, <laughs> maybe we can think about like, it's all about optimizing and automatizing. No, no, no. There has been a lot of manual work and email sent. Right. And answering people at any time in the day, you know, almost too much. In at midnight, I remember I had some conversations with people on Facebook groups because we had a competitor that now acquired us and it became the hub. And people were against us because there was already this established startup doing that in the Nordics. And they were not funded as much as us because we had a big uh, backing from a bank. From Danske wow. Bank. So they're like, no, you, you're not a real startup. You're just like funded by a big bank. And I'm like, I'm in my own company and it's launched via my company. And I know I'm funded, but don't be, don't be so hard on me. <laughs> you're trying to help. <laughs> and while the world, I felt like the world in the Nordics hated us, I was a friend of the CEO of the other platform. So him and I, we were in discussion. We were chatting with each other and trying to be supportive with each other. Right. So it, wow. it was very interesting. Uh, so yeah, full-time job, doing the unscalable things, trying to manage the relationship with the competitor already at that time, staying yeah. friends because, you know, it's the Nordics. You have to stay friends with everybody. Everybody, yeah. it's a small world. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he's still point. a friend. So, <laughs> and they acquired the hub lately, like last two, yeah, two months ago. That is an amazing story. Wow. Any, anything that you'd like to highlight on the fundraising front before we, we pass to go to market and, and, and scaling up? Uh, I would say um, my, my advice for founders really yeah. is that uh, there's so much I can say. Uh, yeah. They can go to my newsletter. I, I share so much. Yeah. Uh, I would say understand investors. Uh, plan your fundraising, you know, you need to have enough time to fundraise. If it's your first time fundraising, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take you a lot of time. Nine months is a good timeline. Six months is a minimum. I fundraised last year uh, mm -hmm. very quickly, like three, four months, because I had existing relationships for a very, very long time. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't work. If today I call an investor who doesn't know me, even if I have a strong brand, I'm, I have a good reputation, I'm known, that investor needs to do his own due diligence and get to know me, to trust me. He's not going to, we are, we don't trust easily. <laughs> investors, right. investors are skeptical animals and they, they're just waiting for, but to see where's the crack. Exactly. Where is the crack? What can they do wrong? You know, can yeah. I trust this person? Yeah. Uh, and I feel founders have this um, uh, expectation that they can just reach out to an investor and then the investor says, yeah, great idea. No, it's not just... <laughs> here's the check. <laughs> no. Yeah, here's a check. Uh, get the money. Why? <laughs> Instantly. That doesn't work. Uh, so have a, a, a plan your fundraising um, in advance, nine months, 12 months. No investor wants to invest in a needy, desperate startup. They invest mm -hmm. in startups that are doing well at your stage, which means if you're at an idea stage when you need to have a, a 
a wait list, even at an idea stage. You yeah. need to, even at an idea stage, show us that there are clients paying for this. Yes, I've done it. I sold based on PowerPoint presentations. I sold to corporates based on PowerPoint presentation, telling them, so the plan is to launch this platform in six months. Uh, I need your money today to make it happen. <laughs> and it works. And I did launch in six months, uh, six months later. So uh, we need to see that kind of like street smart attitude um, also in founders that there's not just like, oh, I built the worst case, the most horrible situations I, I mm -hmm. see is when a founder tells me, oh, and I hear that every day. Uh, when a founder tells me, Raya, I've been building this for five years, or I've been building this for 10 years. I got that this week. I've been building this for two years. I'm like, okay, great. What about, uh, you know, do you have paying customers? Like, no, I, I just told you I've been building this for 10 years. I'm like, what, how can I help? I can't help at this stage. I can't help. Yeah. You, you, I'm sorry. This is, I, I can't help. No, this is my answer. Right. No investor is going to invest in a founder who's been building for 10 years. Right. Unless you've been in med tech, for example, but you got access to public funding yeah. and research fund. And even these kind of companies, we're very cautious with them because it takes a lot of time to, with med tech to go to market. And yeah. many companies funded by the public sector and research centers don't have market validation. They're research. So great, mm -hmm. research. Investors want companies that sell yeah. so we can get our money back. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. No, great. And and we, in terms of, uh, we were talking about the importance of, uh, of course, understanding there is a market for, or there is problem solution fit. Uh, and before getting to product market fit in, in other words, right? So, and we know that, as you were saying, it's it's important to have a great product, but first we need to validate there is customer demand for for that product, and uh, the go to market the distribution is so important to to scale up. In terms of the go to market, any any story that you'd like to share, any any advice or any lessons learned there? Well, I, I would uh, I would go back to the the story with the hub where you go to yeah. market by really going to market by right. really doing the work yourself talking to people knocking on doors i was knocking on doors literally okay it's like hey yeah. do you have you heard of the hub <laughs> you know we can, <laughs> just doing it yourself doing testing different strategies yeah. and at some point looking at which one is the most rewarding which one is the high impact activity mm -hmm. that drives most most traffic that gives you most return on investment in terms of time and money right. if it's ads for example and then you focus on the activities that matter. It's so easy, easy to just start to do activities that don't bring you back something because you procrastinate because you don't want to talk to people. But if you don't want to talk to people and you want to launch a business or run a business, that's not a good start. You need to be able to talk to people. You need to be able to sell. Otherwise, your other option is get somebody who can do it. So when you go to market, just like really go to market. <laughs> go right. talk to people and sell. Right. And, and of course, we, we know that one of the main reasons of failure in, in startups is premature scaling. So understanding what is the right moment to scaling up, yeah. to scale up and uh, also to ensure that you have product market fit, which is uh, a difficult, uh, an easy concept to understand, a difficult concept to define, right? Um, 
So we, we need to get ready to scale up the company. And we know there are a lot of uh, growth pains that come uh, with that stage of growth. Uh, any strategies, any ideas, any any thoughts or yeah. lessons learned? Yeah. Um, so from the start, think about, of course, where you're going to be in five years. <laughs> Use platforms that can scale with you, that can grow with you. Don't use platforms that have a limited capacity or, uh, uh, or um, like that are not very user-friendly. Mm -hmm. Let's say I was working with a company that was sharing uh, uh, company presentations onto, on Dropbox. That's mm -hmm. so, like who uses Dropbox <laughs> anymore? <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Uh, so the first thing we did, like, oh, we're going to move to Google for business. Now you can share, like, as simple as that. Now you can share documents with your team, collaborate, use collaborative platforms. So from the beginning, think about where you're going to be. Will you have a team of five, a team of 10? Will you have a CRM system? Start using a CRM system. It's okay to use an Excel spreadsheet in the beginning, but very quickly, once use something that can scale with you. Excel can scale with you actually as well. So right. that would be the first thing, uh, use system that can scale with you. At the same time, do the unscalable things. Mm -hmm. Don't try to scale right. too fast. It's not possible, you will crash. The reason why you do unscalable things is because there's so much learning in that process. You will see what needs to be optimized or not, what is worth your time or not. You're going to be talking to customers. So important to listen to them and co-create with them. If you try to scale fast, you're missing on the opportunity of collecting feedback. <laughs> this is a new product you're launching. You need to be sure that the market actually wants that. Yep. So uh, do while you're planning for scaling, while you're using tech clouds that can scale with you do the unscalable things at the same time don't try to automatize things too quickly or just hide behind the computer stay in touch with your market and with your customers be instead of a, a ceo be customer support you know i know a founder who does that he changes uh, hats and uh, titles uh, <laughs> every four months he's like now I'm the assistant of the CTO. I'm not the CEO anymore. I'm the assistant of the CTO. I need to understand what he does. I need to work with him. Okay, this is fixed. Now I'm going to be the, the assistant of the customer service. You know? <laughs> I'm going to be with them, learning from them, but also listening to what's happening with the customer. Right. Super important, yeah. Stay in touch with uh, your customers. So uh, build stuff that, that your customers want and... Uh... And at the same time, also make unscalable things. I think this is a great advice, especially in the in the beginning. Instead of starting everything automated when you are still in in the search phase, right? You, exactly. you are not in the scaling up stage yet. You are in the search uh, phase. So let's go to the last segment of the show, uh, Raja, which is. Uh, if you would have the opportunity, let's start with the first one. If you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself uh, at the beginning of your journey with the visionary company, um, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Or, or maybe let's back to 2015 when you move it to Oslo. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I would just say do what you keep. Yeah, stay on track. You're, you're on the right track. Just continue doing what you're doing. <laughs> That's what I would say. 
to my younger self from nine, eight years ago. Uh, because yeah, there is no regret. Of course, I, I have I have achieved, I have launched and succeeded with, with a few things the last few years, and I'm happy about that. But I have also failed many times. I tried many things, different mm -hmm. ways. Uh, the visionary company originally uh, in 2020, when I left my company, the, the, I was CEO of one of the biggest accelerators in the Nordics that acquired my online accelerator. Mm -hmm. I left that position uh, because I had a crazy idea. I wanted to create uh, an AI bot for founders. This is ChatGPT. So I had a tech team in Oslo from in a, a big, uh, they called it intellectual lab a team. And we were mm -hmm. building that and we built it. So, mm -hmm. but, I, but you know, that failed that failed two years ago for many reasons i for many reasons that you know the team the advisors my own strategies uh doing too much lack of focus on i started because of my network i started to get a lot of attention and interest from actually investors and advisors and i got a burnout from that wow. I, 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 I knew I needed money to build that mm -hmm. uh, because it required, I needed to pay my tech guys uh, who right. were my co-founders. They were not going to work completely for free. Uh, so I started to raise money and then I realized, uh, yeah, the, the, some, um, the direction we were taking was not anymore the direction I wanted to take. Yeah. Uh, one advisor in particular, you know, it's very important to surround yourself with the right people. It's all about the people. One advisor in particular was going to invest if we were going to make money fast, which is not the right mindset at all when you're going to start up. You yeah. invest. We know <laughs> it's not going to be profitable for a few years. Yeah. We need to continue investing and then we get a return on investment. So, but we will be making money along the way. But he was so focused on turning us into a profitable company from day one. Yeah. to invest and I gave it a try but it took us into a different direction that was not my vision anymore we started yeah. to be a marketplace connecting startups to tech vendors and of course there was money there and I very quickly I got clients but that was not what I wanted to do anymore right. so uh, I, I had some failures I had some bad experiences and we learn so in, if I talk to myself in 2020 I would still say you know Go through the process. Do the do the mistakes. You will learn. <laughs> exactly. These stories. And then we come yeah, back to the beginning when you said that you keep being a founder, an investor, and an advisor. So we can see that you are always going uh, through those three different acts, uh, and, and yeah. you feel passionate about the three, right? It's so awesome. and and what are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Gotcha. You would be surprised. I was thinking about it yesterday. Uh, because my son came back home and my son told me, uh, mama, you need to go buy some ingredients. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I sold my friend some food and I need to deliver it today. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> so the lunch I made for him earlier that day, they, some of them tasted it, some didn't taste it, but they, they gave him some money. So he does the same thing and delivers it to, to them in the evening because they had a group where they do some activities. I was yeah. like, okay, so I have to go buy some food now to make food for your friends because you already sold them the food. Mr. CEO, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was going on my way to, to uh, the supermarket. I was like, 
that's actually what I'm proud of. I managed to inspire him and he's nine. You know? That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, like, what a great mindset. Yeah. And so he listens to the conversations we're having at home. Uh, and I, I always try to challenge him a little bit and tell him, you know, you could do it this way. You could do it this way. What about this? He's like, yeah, mama, let me do it my way. And then he's back home and says, mama, I actually sold. You need to go buy the stuff. Because we are waiting for the products. You told me to sell it and then you find out a way of building it. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to build it, but you will help me out. <laughs> so I'm, I was proud. Yesterday I was proud. Awesome. Worst advice ever received? Don't do it. I got that. <laughs> Don't do it. You create. I still hear that. I still all, hear that all, from some of my friends. Yeah. I, I, and I'm like, why am I even talking to them about this? <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. Especially Isn't from the it hurts? Yeah. Pointless. I know they're not entrepreneurs and they're just, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I'm thinking about starting this. Like, oh, but Raya, there is no market for this. Or I'm like, oh my God, you're such a <laughs> You know, uh, we, you know, I will let yeah. how it starts, starts with, it starts with an idea and then you see if you can execute on it, then you see how you execute on it. This idea that I just pitched to you in today is going to be different. And who are you to kill my idea? Okay. <laughs> also something I'm very cautious about when I talk to founders, I never kill their ideas. Who am I? They are on a process. Yeah. It's normal that what I can tell them is is help them through that process, validate that idea or figure out what else can they do? How can this idea evolve to become a business? Right, that's a good point. So it's it's not about us to make the the, the person of, of the market, it's, it's to help them to find out the right processes to get to those conclusions, right? Exactly. Awesome. And, and now the resources, your favorite book, and this can be business or non-business. It's much more about getting to know you. Oh, yeah. Um, my favorite book, I, oh, I have such a bad memory. <laughs> I read them. It's like I read, I read, I'm looking at my, you know, my books now there. <laughs> I'm like, which one is my favorite? Oh, no, my favorite book, of course. Uh, it's the first book that I, I read about entrepreneurship. I was 21. And it's the secret of innovation of uh, secret innovation of Steve Jobs. It's in French, Le Secret d'Innovation de Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. And that one was for me just like, pfft. I understood awesome. that you start with passion. You start with user experience, with caring, with customer yeah. feedback. And then I was I like, love it. I got it. I want like, this is it. I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a founder. I, I <laughs> am. <feel> <laughs> yeah, now I know. Art is telling me. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite movie or series? Oh, I have so many. I would say in general, I try to watch, uh, yeah, uh, historical movies uh, with inspiring figures and um, yeah, business related movies. Oh, actually, right now I just started this show, How to Make Money on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm at episode two. Interesting. I'm like, oh, one. I could do that okay. job. I could do that job. I, I wonder what's the business model of the guy. I'm like, I have all these questions coming <laughs> my mind. Can I have my own show on Netflix? One day maybe. Do I want to have my own show? <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, absolutely. And your favorite podcast, excluding this one? I, I would say I'm not a big podcast fan yeah. because I prefer to listen to music. 
Um, and right now, uh, very, <laughs> I, I, I'm into, right now I'm into uh, classical music. So that's my, my new thing. Find it very, yeah, very relaxing. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, but I would say Joe Rogan. From time to time, I jump on one of his podcasts because one of my friends sent it to me, and it's always the same. It's always Joe Rogan that comes back to, yeah, to me. Sounds great, Raja. Thanks so much for making the time to be with us today, and and congrats for the amazing story so far. And you are always invited to come back to share the next chapter of your story. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks to our community for being there as well. We keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit bit easier as you scale up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.